Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. believe he's the only one who can he's the only and there's nothing better how many of you guys truly believe there's nothing better than jesus it's just the way it is and if you don't you got to get to that point in your life and the way you get to that point in your life is you you develop that relationship with jesus because the more you develop that relationship with jesus the more you understand there is nothing better than Jesus. I woke up this morning and I had four words that were just right in the front of my brain and eyesight and everything. It was simply this. It was, it was yes, Lord, no world. Yes, Lord, no world. And we, we take that attitude where we say, yes, Lord, I trust in you. No world. I don't believe you. And we have to get to that point where our, our mind, our eyesight, our spirit, everything about us is fully focused upon Jesus. I'm telling you, it changes your world. It changes your life. It changes the essence of who you are. It changes your worldview. It changes everything. So there is nothing better. There is nothing better than a relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you so much that we're gathered together today, this moment, this instant in time with the body. And Lord God, we come together for multiple reasons, but most of all, we're here to celebrate your son, Jesus, and everything that he accomplished, but he's also currently doing in each one of our lives. And we look forward to his return for he's coming back to to get his church so today it's all about you jesus it's all about you jesus and we ask lord god that that, that we understand you just a little bit better that we know you just a little bit more because that's what we're longing for is that relationship with you. And, and Lord, help us to understand how that should look because in some ways it is abstract and that's where our faith comes in. So Lord, we ask that you strengthen our faith. Holy Spirit, you're here. Where two or three are gathered, you are there also. We know you're here, Holy Spirit. So, so teach us, guide us, convict us, challenge us. All of those things we ask because we want to know you more, Jesus. Jesus, we just, we love you. And, and Lord, help us, not just on a Sunday morning as we sing together, but, but every day of the week, every minute of every day, help us to really live a life understanding that there's nothing better than to be with Jesus, to be a born-again believer, to be held in your hand. It changes everything. So Jesus, be glorified, not just this morning, but every day. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone shout it out. Oh, 
that's good. We love it. You guys can be seated. Oh, yes. All right. You know, sometimes I'll, say, I'll get up here and I'll be like, hey, we got a couple quick announcements and we're getting right into the message. That's not this morning. We got a lot of announcements, but we're going to get through them. First, let's dismiss the kids. We'll dismiss them. And Debbie are back from their, their overdue vacation. Um, so we're glad to have them back and the kids will be glad that they're back as well. All right, a few announcements. I'm going to go through these as quickly as I can. Wednesday nights are now in full swing as of last Sunday. So we have stuff for kids. We have stuff for youth. We have stuff for adults. So be here at 6.30. The adult class is really great. It has to do with families. We're talking about why families are so important and, and that families are designed by God. Uh, the new youth, Man, that's rolling. It's good. And kids, of course, is always good. So let's plan on attending those. And let's see, next Sunday and the following Sunday, so the 17th and the 24th, there is a mandatory cafe barista training. Um, whatever that means. So you guys got to learn how to make a cup of coffee. Just kidding. We upgraded our machine. It's like all sorts of stuff going on. So they just want to make sure everybody's on the same page to do that. So plan on attending one of those. You don't have to come to both of them and let Levi, Mel, or John know which one you will be able to attend. And yes, there will be lunch and probably lots of coffee drinks served that day. So if nothing else, go for the, the coffee. All right. Other announcements. Let's see. Ladies' luncheon is tomorrow 12 noon at Shelley's and McKenzie, our Chi Alpha rock star right there in the third row, she will be speaking. Um, so ladies, plan on ending that and listen to McKin McKenzie. Um, so go and just listen to her speak and get some food as well. And then also uh, west of 50s, the next gathering will be Sunday, September 17th, right after the, the service as well. So we'll have coffee training upstairs. Is that here, Sunday? I'm not even reading all of this. Is, that, is it here? Okay, it's here. Come join us for food, fun, and fellowship. Bring a side dish or dessert if you wish. Sandy's making lasagna. So if you like lasagna, plan on attending that. All right, yes. Um, women's ministry is kicking off, and we have a, a, a short video on that. Doyle, if you'll play that real we'll quick. I will warn you that if you tend to wear Spanx, you need to peel those puppies off because this Bible study isn't for perfect people. Hello, my name is Lisa, and I'd like to warmly invite you to join us for an eight-session Bible study on Luke. More than the other gospel writers, Luke includes outliers. He includes outcasts. So you can exhale, lean in. You don't have to wear a matching outfit and you don't even have to know how to pronounce Habakkuk. Just join us for Luke. We'd love to have you. All right. No matching outfits. I like that. Um, not for perfect people. That's even better. Um, so I won't be attending. Because I'm a guy. What are you guys thinking? Jeez, where did you go? So Georgie gave me this to read. 
In this eight-session study of the Gospel of Luke, Lisa Harper shows us how Jesus is especially fond of outliers, outcasts, and overlooked in need of a safe place to learn and learn in a place to learn in a linger. I don't know. Ling, learn and linger. This includes all of us. It includes all of us, but it's a lady study, so it doesn't really include all of us. I'm kidding. Um, the cost of the study guide is $18. Ladies, please join us Tuesday the 12th in the foyer, 6.30, right? Um, we will pray, study, connect as we go deeper in the Gospel of Luke. That'll be good. Eight sessions in Luke. I'm on part 13, and I'm only barely in chapter 2 of Colossians. I need to speed things up. All right, now Amy has a more women's ministry announcement here. There you go. Morning. Really quick. Ooh, this is super loud. No, you're here. Um, it's not? Okay. Together Conference is coming up in October, ladies. And there's a couple things that I'm going to ask of you. If you would like to go, first of all, October 6th and 7th, it will be in Bozeman or Belgrade, actually, at Belgrade Church. Joanna Weaver, the author of Having a Merry Heart and a, or Having a, yeah, a Merry Heart and a Martha World, and her newest one, Lazarus Awakening and Embracing Trust, is her newest book. She will be one of the speakers, along with another Montana pastor's wife, Jessica Nelson. And I would love if we could bring a group of us to go. There's going to be a sign-up sheet in the back so that we know how many rooms to reserve, and then we'll just split them up. If you want two people in your room or four ladies in your room or however you want to do that. Um, there's another piece of this whole thing. I have been asked to be a part of this team again, and I'm on the hospitality team. So if any ladies that would like to go to the conference would also like to be a part of the hospitality team with me, that is also listed on the sign-up sheet. Okay? Yeah, yeah! And all the women said? No, I need it still. Because Cindy's got a, a legislative update for us. We haven't had one in a little bit because session is at. When does session come back in? Oh, really? That shows you how much I know. It's a long way away. Okay. House Bill 359, the sponsor was Braxton Mitchell. It's the prohibit minors from attending drag shows. On May 22nd, it was signed by the governor. On June 28th, it was banned by the U.S. District Court Judge Brian Morris. And he was quoted as saying in the newspaper, the city of Helena faces the unattainable choice between infringing upon plaintiff's constitutional rights and subjecting the city employees tasked with reviewing Montana's pride application to civil and criminal liability under the provisions of House Bill 359. In addition to saying the plaintiffs in the case were likely to succeed in pro proving their claims the law is too vague and violates the First Amendment, Morris wrote that plaintiffs were likely to suffer irreparable harm yet the law stayed in place for now. The court determines House Bill 359 statutory scheme likely will disproportionately harm not only drag performers, 
but any person who falls outside the traditional gender and identity norms, including trans and two-spirit people. Morris wrote, two-spirit refers to those in the native community that have male and female spirits or identify as such. Plaintiffs and the thousands of community members and the local businesses who wish to participate in and or attend 2023 Montana Pride face the prospect of irreparable harm in the absence of a temporary restraining order should they face attendant criminal and or civil liability under House Bill 359 for the protected speech and expression, Morris wrote later in his ruling. And then we had some of our Helena community members write their position as well. Helena City Commissioner Melinda Reed. I think it is important for so many reasons that we see ourselves in government, but it is also important that we elect people who are willing to stand up against the LGBTQI2A plus rights who believe that transgender rights are human rights and to welcome everybody in our communities. Attorney General Austin Knudsen says, Emily Flower, a spokesperson for the state attorney general, wrote in a statement Friday, we look forward to presenting our written response and full argument at the upcoming preliminary injunction hearing to defend the law and protect minors from sexually oriented performances. And one final word, this is long, I know. <laughs> Office of Public Assistance, Elsie Arnston, uh, says, does not comment on pending litigation, but appreciates Judge Morris's recognition that the government possesses a compelling state interest in children's well-being and safety. And also, um, we're going to be putting together a list of businesses that support dry performances, that actually have those in the performances in the restaurants or the bars or wherever they're being held. I want to add that these performances could be held at private homes. There is no law against that, but these performers don't want to do that because it's not public. So I hope I didn't take too long. Not at all. There's just a lot going on with all of that. I know this isn't the most fun stuff to talk about, but um, we as believers, number one, what do we need to be doing? Pray, praying right. We need to pray. We need to pray for our leaders, but we also need to contact those leaders and, and make our concerns know. Um, but we also need to pray for the community that's involved. I mean, they're in such bondage. They're under a lot of deception. Um, and we want those people to be set free as well. Um, there's a, a predatory instinct that goes along with this. And uh, and as born-again believers, you know, we have an obligation to, to fight for those who can't fight for themselves and to protect those who can't protect themselves. And that's, that's children, really, right? And we need to be doing that from the unborn to um, the, young, the young people that, that are trying to be influenced, right? So we need to pray and we need to have that understanding. Um, we can choose where we go out to restaurants, what, what shops we, we choose to purchase things in based on values, right? I, I don't know that there's anything wrong with that. So please, as a congregation, as individuals, lift, lift all this situation up in prayer. And sometimes it's very easy to, to pray against that community in such a way that God strike them down. Um, but once again, we have to understand they are in bondage. And, and the greatest way um, to prevent these things is, is to lead people to Jesus.
And that's what we need to be doing. So please keep all that in, in, in your prayer and in your consideration. And, and if you feel um, pressed to call your, your representatives, legislature people and all that, do it. There's no reason that, that, that Christians can't um, voice their opinion, but we do it appropriately, correct? Amen. All right, let's let's keep moving. That's our announcements. Four ways to give, like always. Um, we know that you can give online, bridgehelena.com. Text it. Give in, give in the giving boxes. Mail it. Jump on our app. If you don't, our app. Um, download our app. It's got everything on it. It's just a quicker way to get to to things. Um, we give because it's a part of worship. We give because it's there's humility involved in, in saying, God, you've got my money, right? Jesus, there's nothing better than you. So we can't put our money above Jesus in that respect. But it's much more than, than just finances. It's everything that we do. We don't want to be very faithful in our tithing and, and be very unfaithful in other areas of our life, right? It all comes together. And, and we should be going for the full meal deal not just what we choose to do, not just how we worship Jesus. It's, it's His prerogative, and we are to worship how He desires us to, and that includes things like our finances, our time, our tools, and our talents. All right, you guys ready to keep going on this series in Colossians? I am. I'm excited. Um, let's pray before we get jumping into into today's message. Father, thank you once more. What, we need to have that heart of gratitude. So we got to say thank you, Jesus. We got to say thank you, Father. We got to say thank you, Holy Spirit, because you make all of this possible. The fact that we can live our life as born believers with a completely different worldview. It's all because of you. It's all because of your plan. So, so Lord God, as we live out your plan and you continue to, uh, to bring us along in this faith journey, Lord God, help us to completely look to you in all our decisions and in the words that we choose and the opportunities that you lay before us. Holy Spirit, help me to speak only those things that you would have for me to speak this morning. Shut my mouth with everything else. And once again, I'm going to pray it. And once again, I know you're going to be faithful in this prayer. Holy Spirit, don't let anybody leave this sanctuary, leave this building, leave this parking lot the same way that they came in. Father, I believe through your son, Jesus Christ, and the inside of the Holy Spirit, we cannot leave here the same way that we came in. It's by your nature that we are going to be brought to different decisions just this morning. And making the right decision, that's a positive step. Not making any decision is the same as making a negative decision. Lord, help us to humble ourselves before your throne. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And once again, everybody shout it out. Amen. Amen. You guys are pretty loud today on the loudness scale. Your guys are kind of halfway. I like it last week for whatever reason. You guys were a little quiet, but I feel good today that you guys are going to be reactive because we're going to be talking about some stuff. We're going to be talking about some, some great stuff. Um, today is one of the messages where we kind of take stuff from over here and stuff from over here, and we put it together and say, what? didn't quite know how that fit together, but it fits together in a most wonderful way because the Word of God, the Bible, it's inspired, it's living, it's perfect. It's Jesus' Word inspired by the Holy Spirit. So as we look and we make connections, put those into practice in your own life. Remember, it's always a choice. So here we are 
all the way into chapter 2 of Colossians. That's We are just moving right along, aren't we? We are just cruising right along. Today um, really is a continuation of last week's message and the fundamental points that Paul was making to the faithful believers in the Colossian church. So remember, Paul is writing specifically to those faithful believers in the Colossian church, and they're actually dealing with some issues, and we're going to look at that a little bit later. If you missed last week, or really if you missed any of the previous messages, you can find them on our Facebook page, on YouTube, on our website, on our app. Um, if you missed any, you kind of need to fill in those gaps, right? So, so go back, listen to that. We want that full understanding um, of this wonderful short book of Colossians. Now, if you remember from last week, Paul highlighted four very important points. You remember what those are? It was the warning, the deity, the humanity, and the completeness. And, and we're talking about the completeness of Christ, the humanity of Christ, the deity of, of Christ, but it's the warrant to us. And all of these, if you put all these to other, they, together, they really support the supremacy of Jesus Christ, which happens to be the title of this series. These are important for the Colossian church believers as well as us today because they are critical for building, strengthening, and enduring in our faith. How many of you guys know that that's so important? We don't just come to Jesus one day and pray a prayer and then we just kind of kick back and relax and live life how we want it. It's, it's this continuing process. We're building, we're strengthening, and we're enduring in our faith. And we look to, to chapters like this. We look to books like this in the Bible that really add to um, our understanding and fortify what Jesus spoke in the Gospels. Around every corner are those who are and will attempt to deceive you with their enticing words and their bad theology, right? It's all over the place. You step out, you've got to guard, especially in this day and age. You've got you to gotta take everybody and all their words and, and kind of filter through the Bible. And Paul's point here is that we stand firm on the Word and that we never compromise on who Jesus Christ is according to the Bible. It doesn't matter what culture says. It doesn't matter what this person or that person says. We can never compromise on who Jesus is according to the Bible. Now, before we get started today, once again, let's remember the three basic reasons that Paul is writing this book to the Colossians, or this letter, number one, Jesus is central and supreme to all things and in all things. Number two, Jesus is the Son of God. Number three, we are to strive to live a life in Christ. And remember, every week we also say we need to make those personal. We need to take these these three basic reasons, and we need to make them personal in our prayer life and how we live our life. So we do that by, by simply doing this. Jesus, you are central and supreme to me in all things and in my life. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Jesus, I will constantly and continually strive to live a life in you as my Lord and Savior. There is so much power when we pray these words with our heart, with our mouth. There's power when we put this into play in our life. You believe that? That's right. We pray. Sometimes we pray quietly. Sometimes we get in our car alone and turn up the worship music or in the shower alone and hopefully alone in the shower. Who knows? And we start praying loud, right? We pray out loud. And there's power in that. 
Now, as we continue from verses 8, 9, and 10 of chapter 2 that we went over last week, Paul carries on this revelation of Christ's sufficiency. And he actually takes it a step further and he focuses on three things that, that Christ has done for us. You see, sometimes I think that we can really get caught up in our current situation. We live in a world that is minute by minute and second by second, and, and we, we face things, and then we move on from things. But when we face hard things, sometimes they can consume us, completely consume us. And when our vision shrinks down to those things that are only right in front of us, those things that we deem as urgent, all of those times when seeking Christ, it can be with an attitude of, God, God, I need your help now. God, I need you out of this situation right now. God, I need, to, I need you to fix this situation right now. Now, by no means am I saying that these aren't appropriate prayers. It's, it's appropriate to, to, to go to God when we're facing these circumstances. But what I'm saying is it's always important to keep the bigger picture in mind. We should always include worship in our prayers no matter what. We should always include exaltation in our prayers. And we should keep also those things that Christ has already done in us at the forefront, right? We testify in our prayers. We talk about what God has already done. God, remember when you did this in my life? Remember when you brought me out of this? Well, I'm in that same situation. Can you bring me out of this overall, Lord God? Even if you don't, I will still exalt you and you are the best thing in my life. Oh, Lord God, if you see fit, help me in this situation. But Lord God, I will never take my eyes off you. We, we bind worship and, and testimony. Have you, have you ever noticed what happens when you thank God for what he has already done? Have you ever noticed that? When we testify to those things, it changes our perspective, doesn't it? From the problems and the issues that are immediately in front of us, changes our perspective off of our problems to the only one who holds the ability to change those problems, to fix anything in our life. And we begin to focus on the one who securely holds us in his hand. And that perspective shifts now and, and it puts us in a, in a better mindset. And we are positioned to see, evaluate, and to react to whatever is going on in our life a more godly way, in a more spiritual way, instead of simply an emotional way. See, Paul not only understood this, Paul lived this out. And now he is passing this insight on to those who are in the Colossian church who are caught up in this dispute with false teachers that are trying to divide the body. See, in this whole process, it's the faithful believers and they see what's going on with these false teachers that are trying to divide and their whole focus is, is beginning to shift upon this group of people that are trying to divide us. And Paul comes back and he says, hey, wait a second. You guys need to turn your, your, your vision to the supremacy of Christ. Because once we turn our vision to the supremacy of, our, of Christ, all of this stuff is going to be put into the proper perspective. Now Paul goes in three insights and, and, and what they actually have to do with these three things. Spiritual circumcision, 
forgiveness of sins, and victory over the forces of evil. Wouldn't you agree that these are also things that we need to keep in front of us? We really do. Not distracted, but looking to those provisions, the things that Christ has done. So let's dig in and let's learn and uh, let's apply. Let's go ahead and apply these, these verses that we go through today. If you have your Bibles today, electronic, paper, whatever it is, please turn with me to Colossians chapter 2 if you are not already there. We're going to we'll start in verse 11, Colossians 2, verse 11. This is out of the Amplified. In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision, not made with hands, but by the spiritual circumcision of Christ in the stripping off of the body of the flesh, the sinful carnal nature. Now, if you guys remember from reading your Old Testament, which I hope you guys read the Old Testament. It's important to read the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, circumcision was an important part of the Mosaic law. According to Jewish law, circumcision is the physical representation of the covenant between God and Abraham as described in Genesis 17 and is required for the inclusion of males into the Jewish faith. So the physical circumcision in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, was incredibly important. If you were not circumcised, you were looked at as unclean and outside of the Jewish faith. So there was a, a lot of rituals that were involved with this. See, physical circumcision has everything to do with the Old Covenant and was such an integral part of their faith. Both Jesus, as well as Paul, had a lot of teaching points on how that physical representation of the Old Covenant was a foreshadowing to the much more important spiritual circumcision of the New Covenant, right? So uh, we have to bring those two together and almost reconcile them um, because we can get weird if we don't. See, sometimes we read stuff in the Old Testament and we try to apply it into this church age, the New Covenant church age, and things get funny, right? No tattoos. You can't have tattoos if you're a Christian, right? Because it says so in Leviticus. And we start bringing that legalistic mindset into the, the modern day church. And, and again, things get weird. For the Jewish people here, this was a hard transition. Those Jewish people who had become followers of Jesus. It was a hard transition to them. As the Pharisees and the rabbis held physical circumcision in such high importance. It was one of those things, boy, they're going to focus in on that. And as churches were being planted and, and new leaders were rising up and churches were, were getting hopping, they were rocking and rolling, there would be people, individuals, groups of people that would come in and try to convince the new believers that they needed to be circumcised and other things. Um, they would tell people, you know, it's going to define you as a believer or not just as the Old Covenant told you that if you were a Jew, you had to be circumcised. And it's rather interesting, as I, as I was studying this and I was going through this, it was interesting that Paul uses this language here in this letter to the Colossians, which was a Gentile society um, that really wouldn't have had the same perception 
of circumcision, right? This isn't a Jewish society that is transitioning to the new covenant relationship with Christ that's holding on to all of those um, Mosaic law and all the traditional beliefs. This is a Gentile community. So, so Paul brings this up and I think there's a reason for it. So regardless of the society that, that any of us were raised in, Jewish or, or Gentile, the revelation of spiritual circumcision is not only important, but it's also very fascinating. So Paul is helping the reader to understand that we, when we enter a union or a relationship with Christ, we as believers now have true circumcision. We have found in Him the reality symbolized by the mosaic mode of, of circumcision. The physical, the physical representation of the covenant between God and Abraham has now been fully realized by our alignment with Christ. So we can't look back and say, oh, look at those Jewish people. They were so wrong in, in their circumcision and all of that. We can't do that because that was a representation, that was a foreshadowing of things to come. We have to understand that. As the physical circumcision physically set Jewish males apart, um, from those that were around them, the spiritual circumcision that comes with being born again believers sets us apart from those that are in this world. At least it should. Which brings us to a question. Do you live your life like you have been set apart from the world that you live in? Do you live your life like you have been set apart that you live in. Do people know you're a Christian or, or are you a covert Christian? People should know. And people shouldn't know we're a Christian because of the bumper sticker that we have. And they shouldn't know we're a Christian because of the t-shirt that we wear. They should know that we're a Christian because of how we act, the things that we say, the compassion and love that we extend. We should, we should seem very different than this world. See, back back in the in the Old Testament times, for the Jews, it was very important for them to to follow their law, which which defined them in a much different way than those that were around them. Right? How they dressed, what they ate, the the circumcision, all of those things made them stand apart. It was a physical thing. I could look at them and say, "Oh, that person's a Jew because." of how they're dressed, what they're eating, how they're speaking, and all of that. That was a physical thing. Well, now we live in the New Testament, New Covenant day and age of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And people need to look at us and not look at my shirt and say, oh, he's a Christian. Not look at my amazing haircut and say, oh, he must be a Christian. Not look at any of those things, but they should judge me by my actions, by my words, how I conduct myself. The Christian's circumcision is described here as the stripping off of the body's flesh or the sinful carnal nature. That's what spiritual circumcision is. Being stripped off of us. And the Greek word used here for stripping off denotes both a removal of something but also a casting away 
of that something. And in Greek, this word would have commonly been used to describe something like, like an old, worn-out, filthy clothing item that was not only removed from a person, but was discarded. It was taken away. It was, it was stinky. It was nasty. It was beyond washing, right? You couldn't just throw it in the washing machine and spray a bunch of Axe body spray on it and put it back on and think you'd be okay. No, this garment needed to be taken off and, and taken away, burned up in the fire, discarded completely. So spiritual circumcision has everything to do with the stripping and the casting away of the filthy, sinful nature that we were under before coming to Christ. I might step on some people's toes this morning. How dare he tell me that before I came to Jesus, I was, I was under this filthy, sinful nature. I wasn't that bad. Yeah, you were because you weren't aligned with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's an in and out. Remember, there's no gray areas. It's black and it is white. Now, unlike the physical circumcision of the Mosaic Law that was done by human hands, spiritual circumcision is a heart circumcision done by and through Christ himself, and it is made possible only by his death and his resurrection. And Paul spoke of the differences as well as the burdens false teachers place on the people regarding circumcision. We find this also in in Philippians, Philippians 2, uh, verses 2 and 3. Look out for the dogs, the, the Judaizers, the legalists. Look out for the troublemakers. Look out for the false circumcision. Those who claim circumcision is necessary for salvation for we who are born again, have been reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, set apart for His purpose, and are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory and take pride and exalt in Christ Jesus and place no confidence in what we have or who we are in the flesh. Spiritual circumcision of the heart or a cutting away and and discarding of our old sinful nature by Christ himself is part of our relational benefits that being a born a born again believer brings right and there's other things as well that we need to keep in in context here it's this this is talking about the judaizers who are coming in and they're pushing circumcision and saying you got to be circumcised in order to have salvation and maybe we don't hear that as much today but in certain churches there's other things you got to be baptized in order to receive full salvation not biblically no you don't you have to you have to be a member of our church to receive full Full salvation. No, you don't. Not according to the Bible. So there's all these false theologies that try to infiltrate the church. Paul here is addressing the circumcision side of that, but we have to understand there's other things. So as it's the cutting away and it's the discarding of that sinful nature that really we're born into, we begin to have those relational benefits. There's all sorts of relational benefits as being a born-again believer. So you've got to ask yourself, well, have I been born again? It's important to ask yourself these questions. If so, this circumcision also sets you apart. 
Are you living your life like you have been set apart? Let's keep going. Verse 12. Having been buried with Him in baptism and raised with Him to a new life through your faith in the working of God as displayed when He raised Christ from the dead. See, now Paul brings in this concept and the imagery of baptism and how these two circumcision, spiritual circumcision and, and baptism are, are actually connected. How, how do we describe baptism here? You guys remember how I always describe water baptism here? It's an outward expression of an inward experience, right? That's what we, we always say. We try to, to make that understandable. So water baptism is the outward counterpart to the inward experience of being born again, including that spiritual circumcision. So spiritual circumcision is what happens inside of us, causing us to begin a new life. This causes everything in our life to change to a Christ-centered view. Again, these are things going on inside of us. Water baptism, on the other hand, is an open declaration to the world as to our new identity in Christ, identifying with both the death and the resurrection of Christ, as well as the, the death of our old ways, right? Our sin nature, but when we come out of the water, it's the resurrection. It's the new life. It's a new life in Jesus Christ. This, the symbolism of water baptism is amazing. We don't do it just because it's fun to get in the lake and get wet and all that. We don't do it because we're pushed to do it. We do it because of what's going inside of, of us. And, and what's going on inside of us is that spiritual circumcision of our heart because Jesus has become our Lord and Savior. Now we know that, that baptism is not a requirement of salvation, but rather it's this, this beautiful voluntary act of obedience in which we confess our faith in a way that symbolizes the basis of our spiritual experience with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's so beautiful. It's so, it's so amazing. All right, let's, let's keep going. Colossians 2, 13 and 14. When you are dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, your worldliness, your manner of life, God made you alive together with Christ, having freely forgiven us all our sins, having canceled out the certificate of debt con consisting of legal demands which were in force against us and which were hostile to us. And this certificate he has set aside and completely removed by nailing it to the cross. That is so good. That is so good. See, this speaks to the provision that has been established by Christ that is now extended to each one of us, not as a people group, not as a nation, but as individuals. Christ extends this invitation to each one of us individually. And because of this, we are invited to share in the resurrection experience. That should give us confidence. That should say, man, amen. I am, I am not only identifying with the, the death of Jesus, but I'm also living the life associated with the resurrection. See, in Christ, 
His was a literal bodily resurrection from the dead. In our case, the death is a spiritual one. We were dead in our sins and in the uncircumcision of our flesh. We are now made alive in Christ in a spiritual sense, which, by the way, has a major transforming impact on our emotional health as well as our physical state. You guys believe that? You can't be separating your spirit, your emotions, and your physical body. God tied that all together. When we come to Jesus and, and we say, Lord, I need you, we become born again, it begins to affect us in other areas of our life. Chiefly emotional areas, but also physical areas. We are extended forgiveness from our sins through the blood of Jesus. And that's amazing. It's not no longer us who lives, but Him who lives within us. Which was available to us, even as we were in our sins. That's what's amazing. Even as we were apart from God, even as we were living. Some of you guys can remember how you used to be, and how you used to live your life, and the sinful nature that ruled. Jesus had died for you in that already. You just had to come to the point in your life where you had a desire to accept the forgiveness that he was extending. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But God, being so very rich in mercy, because of his great and wonderful love with which he loved us, even when we were spiritually dead and separated from him because of our sins, he made us spiritually alive together with Christ. For by his grace, his undeserved favor and mercy, you have been saved from God's judgment. Amen. Amen. Few of you said amen. That's what we all, man, we got to base it. We got to get loud on that one. We, we say amen to that. See, each, each one of us, each one of us has a choice. Dead in our sins, separate from Christ, or to be spiritually alive in Him. And here's the deal. Those are the only two choices. There aren't a C and a D and an E. It's just you're alive with Christ or you're dead in your sins. You will live a life as well as an eternity, either alive in Christ or dead in your sins. And once again, look at what verse 14 says. Having canceled out certificate of debt consisting of legal demands against us in which were hostile to us. Did you know sin is hostile? Sin is hostile to you. It's not your friend. It's not fun. It is hostile to you. Sin's main goal is to kill you and separate you from Jesus Christ for eternity. It is hostile to you. It places a demand load upon you and it can only lead to death. Spiritual death now and death for eternity. And, and death for eternity is a complete separation from Jesus. Each and every one of us, each and every one of us were born in debt to sin. And it's the result of the fall of man. As such, each and every one of us inherits a certificate of debt, a debt 
that none of us can pay. We can only add to that debt by living in our flesh and our sinful nature. So it's like we can never make a payment toward it. We can just continue to dig ourselves deeper and deeper and deeper into that debt. This indictment against us can only be paid in full and canceled out at the cost of our Savior's blood. Which brings us back to the fundamental belief that the only way to the Father is through the Son. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the only way to God and the real truth and the real life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This affirms scripturally what forgiveness really is. Right? We can't downplay it. We can't, oh, that church believes that Jesus is the only way, but this church doesn't. They're more accepting this. No. Scripturally speaking, Jesus is the only way. So it affirms Scripture and what forgiveness is, and it invalidates the false teachers who have come against the Colossian church as well as the modern church. If people tell you that Jesus isn't the only way to heaven... They are biblically wrong. If people tell you everyone will really go to heaven, they are biblically wrong. If people tell you that you don't need to be born again, they are biblically wrong. Only through Jesus can we receive forgiveness, experience spiritual circumcision, live in relation to his death and the resurrection of his life and that's a victorious life that we can live in. See, he takes our certificate of debt and he completely canceled it cancels it out. And Paul says it's so much better. And this certificate he has set aside and completely removed by nailing it to the cross. That's such a powerful passage of scripture, wouldn't you agree? Amen. Now listen closely. Our faith is built up when we seek to be biblically correct. And our faith is compromised when we seek to be culturally correct. Bold statements. Oh, you're that kind of church. Yeah, we are. We are absolute. We're we're the biblical church. Yes, we believe what the Bible says. Culture cannot influence what the Bible says. And therefore, culture should never influence what we believe. All right, last verse for today. And some more vivid language from Paul. Let's look at verse 15. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, those supernatural forces of evil operating against us, he made a public example of them exhibiting them as captives in his triumphal procession, having triumphed over them through the cross. See, the rulers and the authorities that are in rebellion against God and hostile to us, the supernatural entities, the the, the physical entities, they no longer have power and authority over us. 
Because we are under the authority of Christ. You guys, we got to believe. we got to understand the authority that we walk under. We listen to a, an update of what's going on in, in Helena, Montana, for goodness sakes. When we moved to Montana, we thought, oh, we're moving to Montana. We won't be dealing with the same things that, that we see going on in other places. And we, we moved to Helena, and over these seven years, we've watched all sorts of things roar their ugly head. And we sit back as a church and we think, oh my gosh, this is just terrible. What are we going to do? They have such momentum and, and there's people in, in, in positions and we feel so helpless. Is that the way we should be thinking? Why? Because we're under the authority of Jesus Christ. Jesus places those people in, in power, right? He, uh, um, those people that, that try to rise up and have the loudest voices and make the, the biggest public displays, we have to understand they too are under the authority of Christ, whether they recognize it or not. God has an ultimate plan. And he's, on, he's, he's rolling out that ultimate plan. It's called the church age, right? It's the time between really the ascension of Jesus and, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, really to the rapture of the church. We're within that. We don't know where we're within that. We have a pretty good idea because of the seasons that we're living in that we're on the later edge of the church age, but we don't know for sure the rapture could happen any time. That's been preached by Jesus and everybody else. So we are to not predict the time of the rapture, but we are to be ready for the time of the rapture. So we're in this time of the church age as Jesus is unrolling that plan in all his wisdom. Certain things have to take place and we're living that out. We're seeing these things happen and that's part of God's plan. Is it a great plan in our mind? No, because we don't understand it is a perfect plan in God's mind. Absolutely. Does it give us more of an opportunity to exercise our faith, to speak into other people's lives? I think it does because 50 years ago, if you were to talk to somebody, you wouldn't Oh, if they're involved in sin or not, you could have the assumption that if they're not a born-again believer, they're probably involved in some, some type of sin. Now it's blatant, right? We don't have to wonder. We walk the streets and we know exactly what's going on so we can pray more intensely. We can speak more um, passionately about the freedom that we find in Christ. So we're living in this age and, and, and we have to understand that we are under the authority of Christ, which grants us the ability to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, the, He is with us always to the end of the age, the end of the church age. Because we are under the authority of Jesus Christ has disarmed and made them public examples. He put them in his procession. Jesus has the victory. We just have to understand that we can live also in the victory of Jesus, which brings that authority. You feel like you're uh, in a tug of war between this world and, and Jesus and your faith, and it's just pulling you in all these directions. Just relinquish to Jesus. Begin to live your life for Jesus. Profess Him on a daily basis. Build that relationship with Him. Understand that He has disarmed 
He has disarmed those powers and principalities. The power that the powers and principalities have are the power that we allow them to have in our life. So choose Jesus. He has exposed all that deception to the believer in Christ. Aren't you glad? Can you guys see the deception that's going on in the world today? See, we must understand that an aspect of being born again is also the Holy Spirit discernment that He gives to each one of us. He gives us the the ability to discern situations, to know what's right and wrong, to have that, that idea, man, this is not a good situation. I need to speak into this situation. This is a, this is a safe place of brothers and sisters in Christ that I can come for prayer and, and, and safety. We, we have that discernment if we will only Accept that discernment. See, we recognize when the enemy is involved, and I'll tell you what, the enemy is involved a lot, but he is exposed. And we see that manipulation, and we see that scheming, and we see it take place in families and friends and in communities and in countries and and in this world. As a born-again believer, we see well beyond the physical And we see the spiritual behind it. And how do we react to that? We stand firm in our born-again belief and relationship with Jesus Christ. And we pray fervently for those that are involved in that. We need to pray for our government. But we don't necessarily trust in our government. Right? We need to pray for our institutions, but we don't put all our trust in those institutions. Jesus is on the move. Just this last week, I saw Jesus moving mightily in people inside this church, and I learned more this morning about how Jesus is moving in this church. We need to express that. We need to speak about it. We need to testify to it. But most of all, we need to live in the humility and the confidence and the security that God holds us in His hands because we're a born-again believer. So why we pray for wisdom and we pray for discernment. And once again, Paul ties back to the cross and the victory that was won upon that cross. See, it all goes back to, to that moment in time. The cross, the resurrection, the ascension, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We are to be constantly looking back on that and testifying to that and allowing that to live within each one of our lives. Worship team, if you guys would come up here. See, all this that we're talking about today, all that Paul is talking about in this wonderful letter to the Colossian church, it's all about the victory that is extended to each one of us. It's a victory, and it's extended to each one of us. We're not automatically within that victory. We have to take steps and just simply come to Jesus and say, Lord, I want to be a part of that victory. Lord, I'm tired of living in the dead. I want to live in the life. Lord, I'm tired of this sinful nature that causes me to do things and I hate doing them and I hate having those thoughts. Lord, come to me and circumcise my heart and, and, and discard that nastiness. Take it away. Cast it away. Burn it away. That doesn't mean that we won't have daily issues. We won't have daily struggles. We're going to have daily struggles. 
That's why it's so important to always cling to the one who can strengthen us and get us through those struggles. Last question of the day. Are you living in Christ's victory? Didn't bring the lights down. Of course, of course, you know me well enough. We're doing an altar call. We always do. It's that time where we can we can express those things that that the Holy Spirit pressed upon us today. So we have to ask ourselves: Are we truly living in Christ's victory, or do we feel like a punching bag? We feel like we're going back and forth. Are we always condemning ourselves? How bad we are. I'm such a bad person. I'm such a bad Christian. That doesn't sound like talk from a victor. And it's a constant battle. So there's people in here who have been beat up over and over and over. And sometimes the one that's beating you up is the one that you're looking at in the mirror. Sometimes it's the enemy and and you've been living in that. And today, this morning is the morning where you need to reaffirm your relationship or, or affirm for the first time your relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And some of us, we just go day to day and it feels like, man, one day's good and the other day's bad and there's another bad day. And oh boy, I just hope Sunday rolls around soon enough so we can get to church because I got to run to church and that's where I experienced Jesus. I'm telling you, a victorious lifestyle in Christ is not a Sunday morning experience. A victorious lifestyle in Christ is an everyday experience. It's your experience. You are big boy and girls you don't need me to pull you along every Sunday and give you a push and hopefully a coast to the next Sunday you need to come here and we gather together and we worship together and it's wonderful and we get our voices loud and we pray for each other and we, we, we sit and we listen to the word of God together and we experience this together and this is by no means the entirety of your faith. This is simply a small segment where you get to experience Jesus with your brothers and sisters. Thank God for Monday morning when you get to experience Jesus, just the two of you without all these other brothers and sisters involved, which we love. But we also have the understanding that our faith is our own. It's something that we need to put in practice within ourselves. Amen. So are you living in Christ's victory? And maybe this morning you're saying, man, I am so living in Christ's victory. Well, then we come to the altar and we just affirm that once again. And we just are thankful to God. And then we just pray with people. We worship with people. And rejoice with people. So this morning, we are going to open the altar, not for a certain person or or a certain people. We're opening the altar for the entire church, because what I just described, each and every one of us in here today falls within that some way or somehow. So if you wouldn't mind, why don't you meet me on the altar after I pray so we can worship together and we can pray together and we can exalt our Lord and Savior together. Amen. Everybody stand up and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, what an amazing portion of Scripture you just exposed us to 
Jesus, thank you so much for taking that debt, that contract, that lien that was against each one of our lives. And Lord, you so graciously and, and mercifully nailed it to the cross so that I no longer have to live with that sin debt, which I can never pay off, but I can only add to Jesus. You have made a way where there was no way. And Jesus, I want that victory. Lord Jesus, I want to be covered by your authority in this crazy world. Jesus, I want to be looking for you every day. Jesus, I want to experience you on a Sunday morning with everybody else. And I want to experience you on a Monday morning, a Tuesday afternoon, a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday. Lord, help me to cling to you and to look to you in all the things that I do. So Jesus, this morning, as we come to this altar and we express our gratitude and our need for you in our life, Jesus, know that you will send the Holy Spirit to meet each one of us here. And Lord, you're going to send us out of here very much different than the way you, you brought us in. So Jesus glorified in all that we do as we continue to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray this in the powerful, authoritative, victorious name of Jesus. And everyone shout it out. Amen. Amen. He deserves the glory. You get to walk in the victory and the authority. You got to make that choice, though. So as we leave here today, I pray that you make that choice and you, you stay in that choice, right? It's so easy to leave these doors and slip back into the world. Remember, yes, Lord, no world. We'll see you guys next week. We'll see you guys Wednesday, Tuesday for women's, all the things that are going on. Connect with brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the week to stay strong. But remember, it's not just about Sunday morning. It's about an everyday relationship with Jesus. Amen. All right. We'll see you guys. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.